0: Welcome back to The Gabble of the Gabble. It's me, Harry, and I am joined by my erstwhile colleague as ever. It's Simon. Happy New Year, Harry. It's 2024, my little ray of sunshine. How are you? I'm very well. Simon is still under the impression that every time we record, it's the first one of the year. But we've already had a pod out, as you know. He's constantly going to say Happy New Year right the way through January. That's where we're at, I believe. Um, Mate, how's your day been? I'm very excited. You are? Uh,
1: How's my day (laughs) been?
0: How's your day been?
1: It's been quite quiet, and I'd really rather not talk about it, Harry. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I, I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk about it. I all I, I can
0: say about. to the listener, all I can say to the listeners, is um, I will definitely bring up why Simon's no, day has been so no, quiet um, no. because we're in an interview. Lovely guy, a chap called Gareth Wasp. Fantastic. Yeah, he works
1: for. Who does he work for? Some a brand new auction house in Wiltshire
0: called. RWB Auctions, Royal Wooden Bassett, is where they're based. Let's have a chat with the wonderful Gareth Wasp. I am delighted to say that we have netted a soon. Uh, well, he's a hugely experienced auctioneer, but he's just about to have his first auction for a new fa- uh, new firm. When we posted on our social media feeds, who should we get on? Top of the charts was. Mr. Gareth Wasp, how are you, sir? Nice to meet you officially.
2: Very good, thank you. I'd be very keen to know who voted for me to come on, but I'd be very, pl- I'm very pleased to be here.
0: It was a wide and random selection of individuals, but you're genuinely, your name kept coming up, so that's why we uh, um, sort of tried to get a hold of you. But yeah, thanks for taking the time, because as I alluded to, you're just about to um, end of this month, got a new sale coming up. So Simon, over to you, mate, and your penetrating questions my friend
1: well first of all gareth really lovely to meet you thanks for taking the time to come on we really appreciate it um i'm also slightly cross because i've got beard envy there are only two of us (laughs) on this podcast with a beard and i have clearly (laughs) lost that battle hands down so i take my hat off to you for that one so gareth first interview of 2024, Mr. Gareth Wasp. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Gareth, for those of you that don't know. Um, tell us how you got into the your auctioneering business and tell us a little bit about the exciting times coming up because uh, that's what we want to hear about.
2: Yeah, sure. So I started in this business when I was effectively 14 working in a village hall auction. I was asked recently, you know, about that and I remember it when you know, anything over 50 pounds, the room went deadly silent. It was big money then. There was no internet. It was quite literally whoever turned up. Uh, I think the catalogue was 50p uh, and I was a porter and that that was really it. I I enjoyed it very much and I went from there and most of my working life, I'm 41 now, uh, has been been in auctions and I've worked in, in London, I've worked up north and I've been in the Southwest now for about 12 years. So, and and I, I enjoy it very much. I started uh, RWB Auctions about six months ago. Um, it's a, a brand new auction rooms. And I'm the head auctioneer.
1: Fantastic. And what would you say, what's the what's the sort of driving force? What's the ethos between RWB? What's going to make it different from, from other auction houses that maybe you've worked in in the past?
2: Sure. Part of the reason I wanted to, to, to come here was our commission is slightly different to lots of other auctions. Uh, I've seen ours. that.
1: That is very interesting indeed. Tell yeah. tell everybody, because this is very different. I'm, I'm impressed with this.
2: We wanted to be a, a disruptor to the business. The the selling fee is 10%. The buyer's premium is also 10%, which is unusual for, for the business. You obviously both work in the business. You understand, understand that they wanted to be different and we wanted to have that 10, 10, 10. There's a ten pound lotting fee as well. Alongside that, we have got a gallery. There's a permanent gallery upstairs in our in our in our building, and we've got a, a bistro opening at the end of February.
0: Now we're in my Ballpark. You okay. sold it over to, <laughs> to Harry. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Fantastic. I a <laughs> That's a bistro. I'm in.
1: Harry will now spend twenty minutes quizzing you on whether there's lemon drizzle cake.
0: What's in the? What's the filling in the sandwiches? I hope you're up to speed with this, Gareth. No, you're you're all right, Gareth. No, I'm I'm interested because I'm interested in the. Actually, I'm interested in the art gallery because when we first started, one of the first people who um, came on and to support the pub was Paul Laidlaw, and he's got a museum
2: oh, wow. in,
0: incorporated in his. Auction uh, rooms that you can go because he's a military collector and, and mm-hmm. that sort of stuff, and so you can go and visit their museum. And I, Simon, and I often think we have, um, particularly at line Bay, we have a big space, and we always wonder what we should be adding to it or doing with it or mm. creating it. So I'm fascinated by the fact you've got a, a permanent gallery because it gives people a reason to an additional reason yes. to drop in, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, and as you work in auctions, you'll often get people just turning up saying, "Well, can we have a look round?" It's not quite like that. you know. We're not a shop. But the beauty of having a gallery is they can come in and they can have a look around at something and they feel more involved in the auction and then they can take details of the auction. And, it, and if it's not open for view, then they can go and have a, a coffee. We wanted it to be a, a, an experience, not just auction, having something nice to eat, going and looking at some art as well from new and up-and-coming artists. And that's hopefully what we've got.
1: So you're hoping this is going to become more of a destination. So whether you're interested in auction, so in the gallery, is that that these all these paintings are for sale? Are they? Yes,
2: yes, yes. And
1: and, and where where are the artists? Where's the paintings come
2: from? All all, all over. We've got right up uh, Yorkshire, down in Cornwall, the other side, uh, uh, over the other side of London. So they're all over the UK, and they've all decided to to put their work in. Tomorrow is our opening night for the for the gallery. I think we've got about twelve or fifteen different artists. Uh, That's on fantastic. View. Oh, it's, it's it's brilliant. It's not something I know a huge about, but it you know it, it's interesting for me to see artists that potentially in five, ten, twenty years you may well be selling at auction.
1: And it's also diversifying the business a little bit, as exactly. you quite rightly do. You know what? Really good point as well. If I had a pound for every time somebody has walked in. On an average day of the week, and said, Can we look around? And you know, no often offends,
0: but no, it is. It's all the time. It's, sorry, just to cut across you there, Simon. Is it, you, it predominantly in the gallery? Are you going to have emerging artists or new artists? Is that the idea, or is it a bit of everything?
2: Both, both, yeah. And they start from, I, I think, about a, a couple of hundred pounds up to about ten thousand pounds.
0: You're giving a break to people who can't get exhibited.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's a
0: crowded space. Oh, cool. it,
2: exactly. And, and there'll always be something on view as well. So people can always turn up and there'll be something for them to, to look at and you know, enjoy. So that that's the idea.
1: That's, that's nice. a lo- that's a lovely idea. And you're right in the heart of things with the new auction rooms. Is that right?
2: Yeah, we're right in the town centre in Royal and Bassett. Uh, about 35, 38 car parking spaces in the back. It's, it's easy. You know, lots of auction houses are not always in the centre and they struggle with parking. So we're, we're lucky to have have the place we do
1: and where do you think the focus of this new auction house is going to be in terms of the type of things that you're going to be selling where are you focusing
2: alongside uh, antiques and collectibles and 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 what many people sell we're also having we're having two sales a month one sale will be an antiques and interior sale which you know you you both hold alongside that every month we'll have a specialist sale so this month we've got an antiques and interior sale and then the following week got a coin sale specialist coin sale and we've got four coin sales scheduled for the year, uh, jewellery, still for specialist sales. Like, I think you, I listened to your podcast this morning on the way into work. You, you're having a, a military sale, if I remember rightly. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You, you know, and, and it, again, it, it creates collectors, it engages people in the area, especially if, if it was in Windsor, wasn't it? If I remember rightly. the Yeah, that place. one's at so, Windsor, yeah. yeah, so, yeah. So, so so, that's a you know, you're in. In an area where there's lots of military people, so they can get involved. And I always like getting people from the community involved as well. It's important to me.
0: I can't move for military people. <laughs> <laughs> <I> bet, <yeah.
1: laughs> so go back a few steps for us, Gareth. So before sure. RWB, um, where did your actual auctioneering career start? How did that kick off?
2: I must have been about 17 and I didn't know I was going to be selling. Uh, uh, and I was actually quartering that day, uh, and the auctioneer said, do you want to have a go? And I froze. So I said, uh, yeah, okay. And that was it. And off I went. So, <laughs> uh, so I didn't know. But perhaps that's a good thing. You know, I wasn't I'd, say that, I'd
0: say that was a good thing. Because exactly. it is nerve-wracking the first time, isn't it?
2: Yes. So this is pre, pre-internet bidding. It was quite literally the people in the room. I, I'd upgraded from a village hall, and it was a farm now that I was working at. So I, uh, and he just chucked me on the rush. Room. I think I saw about 20 lots. I was shaking. I was really nervous. I, I thankfully, I don't feel that way every now I, I sell, but it was a good day, and uh, and it's that buzz, you know, theatre and drama of selling, and I was hooked, and now I take that to every auction.
1: And you know what, going forward, there are not going to be. That many of us that can remember selling solely to the room, solely to the people no, in front of us. Um, you know, we've now all uh, progressed with the screens and the internet, mm. online, global, and all the rest of it. But you yourself can remember the the atmosphere, the rooms, the big rooms.
2: Yes, yeah, absolutely. And it was it was so different pre-internet. You 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 know, if not many people were turning up. You you thought, oh yeah, we're going to struggle. It's going to be a we're bad time Now. You know, I've been to specialist sales uh, in, in this area, you know, and they might have two, three people in there. And at the end of the day, they say, well, that was a really good sale. And you're looking around thinking, Jesus, <laughs> and, it, and it, it's, it's online. So much is online. And I also think that you, you get so many, so many more people online than you ever could have had in the, in the auction room. You know, auctioneers reckon you get three, four, five, a thousand people are bidding online. You know, you, you'll never find an auction room that will take that many people. Even in the good old days? <laughs> no, even in the good old days, unless it was in a farmyard or something.
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And what is it? Um, so auctioneering for you, what is it you love so much about being on the rostrum? Because I know Harry and I are on the rostrum. We're on the rostrum three times uh, a month. and um, hmm. We have been, you know, we auctioneer together and i i find it difficult to explain to people i love it it's just the highlight of my Mm. month um it must be just spending time with harry that's what it is
0: (laughs) well we are you we are unique in so far as that we auctioneer simultaneously side by side i think i haven't we haven't found anybody who does it that way yet i mean that is our usp but uh, yeah i mean it's challenging (laughs) isn't it on occasion simon for you Yes, you to put are. Put
1: up with me, Harry. Yes, yeah. but, uh, but we're not talking about us, Harry. Although we do quite a lot. So, what about you, Gareth? What, what is it? If you could describe the being on the rostrum, what? How would you describe it?
2: Well, I, I think sell, selling online is and in the room and listening to people's stories from the, the moment something comes in to selling it with potentially the vendor in the room it It's just brilliant, it really, really is you may ask me about it about the two rings that I found, however many years ago.
1: no, 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 tell us that story because I love everybody's that story. heard that yeah
2: with, with that with that story, you know, that's the perfect scenario. A client came in, she had inherited jewelry a, a box of jewelry. the value apart from two rings in there was a, it sold for about a hundred pounds in 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 there there was two rings. Uh, a four-carat Cartier diamond ring in in a Cartier box, and alongside that, the next ring—it was a really lovely box—was a sapphire ring, a Salon sapphire. Uh, I think it was about twelve or thirteen carats, beautiful. And I thought these are quite special. And I hadn't been at this auction; I hadn't even been there maybe six months a year. And I was—I I, I, thought—brilliant. This is this is great. I I was so excited to show my 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 gemologist and. He, he, he comes from a very good background. He's like, yeah, it's 20 to 30 grand. And I was like, brilliant. This, <laughs> this is great. So I remember phoning the client on a Saturday, telling her this, and she was over the moon, Actually, So sale day comes, and the Cartier ring sold for £42,000, and uh-huh. the, the Sapphire sold for £28,000. But the, the vendor, I remember ringing the vendor and telling her, she didn't even watch it. Uh, she, I think she may have been nervous. Anyway, I said to her, this is what they've sold. And she was over the moon. But the person that bought bought the ring, he he bought the Sapphire for £28,000. And he bought it. He sat in the room. He lived about three miles from the auction room. And he bought it for £28,000. And he bought it for his wife, who he sat next to. And she was sitting right next to him. he came and sell me afterwards. And he said, the Cartier ring, if that's not paid for, I'll also buy that as well for my wife. What a lucky wife. And. <laughs> <laughs> And that's a great story. A client didn't know that they had something. They sold it for a good amount of money. A happy, a happy buyer. I remember giving it to her and she was over the moon. And that's a great story. I really like that, that story. Um, and, and obviously, naturally, it was good for me and my career. As you've seen online, my face pops up with a slightly shorter beard. Um, I was about to say
0: well, you've got you've gone big on the beard game <laughs> since then, I know. but you you I mean it was it in that in it was good for publicity, wasn't it? And it is good for your career that sort yeah, of stuff. But it is. by the sounds of things for you, that's a sideshow. That whole bit, it's you're passionate about what you can do for the individuals both yes. sides of the transaction, which isn't always mm. the case. That's that's what I'm taking from that mm. story: that you're yeah. chuffed a bit, that so they're both happy.
2: Yes, and as as you know you know you, we see lots of items unfortunately not everyone comes away with a great story there's things that they bring in thinking they've got the world and you have to let them down, down gently so it's it's really nice when you get a story like that and for some people it might be something where they thought it's worth nothing and it's worth a hundred 200 300 pounds and to that that's that's potentially life-changing to them or at least a, a good month for them and i i love being able to tell them that story so when you get up on the rostrum, pushing those extra bids, getting as much as you can for your vendor, it's really important. And, I, and that's what I enjoy. And so when you've got all of that, when you're standing on the, on, on the rostrum, it's great to be able to, to do that. So that's why I try and sell. I was always taught to, to sell every lot like it's the last lot you'll ever sell, which is hard after you've been selling for 700 lots at the end of the day. Uh, it's really tough. But I try to do that.
1: And how long before your first auction at, at RWB Auctions? How long have you got to go?
2: So the first sale is on the 24th and the 25th of January. It's a two-day sale, about 1,050 lots split over the two days. And, and it's everything that we, we will be selling. There's coins in there, there's medals. And then later on in the year, they'll become specialist sales. But what, what we want is a little bit of everything and every area that we will sell go, going forward. Clever. Yeah, clever. That's the idea.
1: Gareth, any, anything jumping out at you at the moment that you think that's that's one I'm keeping my eye on or that's one I'm thinking I'm looking forward to auction. That could go well, because that's the beauty of our job, isn't it? You don't actually know. We can estimate at 100 to 200, 20 to 30 until the market speaks on the day.
2: Exactly. Well, we've got a really nice, uh, a really big picture. It must be well, it's bigger than one of my colleagues. It must be about seven or eight foot by about four foot. An old master painting, possibly 18th century, uh, after Raphael. The estimate's four to six thousand pounds. It's a lot of painting, four thousand pounds. So we're hoping yeah. that does does well. It's visually a great item to have. We've got some Lady Annie Gordon ceramics in, which is unusual. They rarely come up for auction, and I've been very lucky in which I've sold a few already, and now I'm selling a few again. Lot number one is a nice not, uh, uh, a couple of carrots diamond pendant that's really nice is
1: nice way to
0: start i was about yeah. to say yeah that
2: gets, that <laughs> i picked that on purpose
0: <laughs> yeah that gets, rid of the, that gets rid of the butterflies doesn't it not once sold <laughs> good figure right here we go
2: yes yeah quite right that's why i started to say with with jewelry and silver start strong yeah
1: start strong <laughs> funny <laughs> funnily enough that. we've been starting that way for the last 15 years haven't we yeah, yeah. jewelry yeah. and silver always always the cabinets first yeah. always
0: absolutely Um, Gareth, is there something that you collect out of all of this? Do you have a a passion?
2: I quite like lots of Scandinavian design uh, or Nordic design. I go to Denmark, uh, Sweden, Finland, normally once, twice, maybe three times per year. Um, So I I go out there and buy things that I I like. Uh, I was very lucky last year. I got to uh, Denmark and Finland as well, went around the glass museums there. So I'm very interested in mid-century glass, lots of the designers. and It's it's fantastic. I, I went and watched them blow glass. It's, it's really, really interesting. I always try, not purposely, and pick an area where it's not completely covered in the UK. You know, you don't meet many people that collect Finnish glass. It, you know, you might say, I'm a glass collector, or I collect Murano. Lots of people know Murano. Not so many people know about finished glass. So this is an area I liked and I purposely picked to, to try and look into. And, you know, I met a, f- a friend out there who lives out there and he showed me around lots of the fairs. It, it was brilliant, really, really interesting. So that's what I like. Lots of 20th century design. That's
0: a really clever way of doing it. Simon, why have we been focusing on things that everybody else collects? We need uh, uh, because to f- We need to find something that nobody <laughs> is into.
1: Because we're not that bright. Yeah, that is true. That's basically yeah. what yeah, that was. saying is leading the way there, mate. It's <laughs> exactly.
0: far brighter than the pair of us.
1: But that is a good point, Harry, is, you know, a lot of people start collecting, I don't know, hallmark silver, you know. Yeah. yeah. Okay, you can do that. Lots of other people doing it. So what are your thoughts? Because clearly you're a lot younger than Harry and I, which obviously helps. Um, and you're looking at sort of <laughs> Scandi Glass and all the rest of it. What do you think the future holds? Because it's quite tricky. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, auction houses at the moment... We all know the challenge with antique furniture. We all know the challenge with brown furniture. I don't know about your thoughts, but the Scandi furniture is kind of on the wane, in, 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 mm. in my humble opinion. Yeah, well, yeah used to be absolutely. getting much better prices. So mm. where do you think, you know, being the head auctioneer for a new auction house that's opening in Wiltshire <laughs> – where are you advising them that the future <laughs> trends
0: are going? I'm merely trying to poach your ideas here. You do understand, Gareth, but, you know. <laughs> I think Gareth and I were both chuckling at the fact that you were really, really on message promoting RWB, which is what we're about today. And I thought you were reading your little thing really well then.
1: Yeah, um, <laughs> until, I tried
0: to, until I tried to poach their future strategy,
2: Until yeah. you to add, Lib. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've always... I thought you've got to look to younger collectors. You need younger collectors. Whatever you're, whatever you're going to invest in, you need people that are, are, are younger than me, in their 20s and 30s, to be looking and having an interest in collecting. I've always felt that something, not that I know a huge amounts about it, military, military is a good area because as, quite frankly, uh, you know, veterans from World War II pass away, we look at it and there's no more stories left for them to tell. We look at the, the, their medals. You, you could buy World War Two medals for less than fifty pounds. World War One, to say, and then they're interesting. They're a great investment. You know, there's still lots around. It's a nice way of uh, an in- introduction to collecting and getting on with something that's really, really historically important to our country and the world. And I always like that. I, I, it's not a massive area for me, but I think it's a good, good area to collect. I think that's that's the that's the key. I always think about things that. Of of kind of as you say the, the Scandi furniture have waned off. It it was in vogue, and I probably would agree that it's it's not as strong as it was. You go go. I mean, I when I go to Scandinavia, you know, they're absolutely desperate for our antiques. You know, things like triple wardrobes that you know you can buy them everywhere in the UK. We've got one in this sale at you know, seventy to hundred pounds. You know, they make a lot of money over there because they it's just full of modern design. See, you know, your eyes, you know, for me, and when you come to the UK or an auction like yours or ours, there's not a lot of modern design. You might have a few bits. If you're lucky, you'll have maybe 20, 30 lots. With them, it's the opposite. You know, you, you go around the auction, it's all modern design, and then about 20, 30 lots of antiques. So uh, uh, it's really hard to nail down what is going to be the collectibles or the, the, the value of the items in the future I wish I had a crystal ball because I mean lots of people in the 80s and the 90s early in the particularly, were buying lots of dark furniture and then when we all turn up and we say I've, I've got all this brown furniture and they get all the receipts out and you know it's a hard hard story to have to tell them it's not quite like it was
0: I was in Wimbledon yesterday and had exactly that discussion with the family and they had all their receipts ready for me on the dining room table just like you said Gareth And I was like, I'm so sorry. I don't know how to Mm. break this to you, but the market, that's 20 years ago, the market's completely changed. Um, Yeah. And and like you say, but no, I'm interested in the fact that you need to sort of focus our attention on younger collectors and pick their brains Mm. and see what
2: they're Well, I think what's always very interesting is, I I don't know if you go to uh, antique fairs or uh, flea markets or whatever, you'll see lots of young people there. If you go to most auction houses, You very rarely see very young people. And I'm always interested to why that is. You know, is it the demographic? Is it a little bit scary? They think they can't buy it. They're not, it's not uh, inviting enough for them. They don't feel uh, as pressured if they go to a fair. But they they do go, you know, I go down here, I go to somewhere like Shepton Mallet Flea, and you see loads of young people going there and they're all all buying, they're all buying. But you know, when you go to some auctions, the average age i mean must be 60 and above and i just think where where are these young people so i'm always i'm always uh, it's, it's a passion for me because i've done it most of my life and i started very young so you can imagine when i was you know uh, late teens or early 20s going to the auction and everyone was looking at me thinking Who, who's he who's he you know is he turning up what's he collecting um you know and i'd buy anything anything i thought was interesting And you're
1: right, because Harry and I have been sort of trying to bang the drum for the last year, year and a bit since we've been doing this podcast that we've got to get auction houses have got to be more welcoming because we've noticed it. Even if we run a valuation day, but say it's at the auction house, we'll be lucky to get people turning up. We can go two yards down the road. And well, I say 200 yards down the road to the local village hall. Um, where it's safe and comfortable and you can park Mm -hmm. outside and there's not lots of hustle and bustle with lorries coming and going. And people will turn up when Mm -hmm. they could have gone 200 yards down the road and walked into the auction
0: house. Mm -hmm. 95% of the time people turn up, Gareth. But on a cold day at the beginning (laughs) of January, uh, where Simon's been this morning, busy day was it, Simon? We did a valuation day for three hours (laughs) at the local village
1: hall. What was the scorecard? so, uh,
2: it it confess was quiet. Gareth. Gareth, confess it everything
1: was, to Gareth. No, tell the truth. It was quiet, Gareth. I would. I'd like to say that maybe um, Mark, my fellow uh, valuer, um, may have put the sign out in the wrong place. Unfortunately, he didn't. Um, <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: but it was. It was very very.
2: How many very, hands do you need to count? How many people came? It more oh, no one?
0: hands. No, you don't need any oh, hands, oh.
2: Gareth. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, no,
0: no hands needed.
1: <laughs> you don't need any hands at all. What I can tell you, Gareth, it was a really good admin day. <laughs> yeah. I got through a lot of emails and a lot <sighs> of, even this fine knit jumper. I should have gone back to the hoodie. Even this fine knit jumper didn't seem to help bring them in. I'm afraid. Yep. On the only problem day. with this is
0: I've, I've got one tomorrow and I'm now panicking that nobody's going to turn up at mine. And so I'm, I am cashing in on taking the Mickey out of Simon as we usually do on the pod because it's if, going if to it, happen to me.
2: If it makes you feel any better, I've done a valuation day where no one's turned up. It had snowed the day before and so people were a little bit nervous. I, I mean, maybe you had snow. Maybe that's no, your excuse. I don't no,
1: know. no, no. We we had... Um, I'm feeding had... you
2: excuses. <laughs> yeah, thanks, you are. Gareth. Thanks, Gareth. I tried Gareth. to help you.
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure there was a small hurricane in the southwest ah. that nobody noticed. Uh, and That's what put people off. <laughs> oh, now, uh, thanks, Harry. Um, Sorry. <laughs> I've noticed, because we do do... I know it doesn't look like it, but we do do a little bit of research on our guests. Um, and I've noticed that you also do have a sort of eye for the collectibles of the future so we're we're maybe talking about and this is some you know an area that we need to morph into which follows on from attracting the younger buyers and we need Mm. to be very mindful of for example you know the collectible toys the game stations the things like that i think that's something that you that you've been looking into as well gareth am i right
2: yeah that's 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 right a few years ago i did an interview with a magazine i can't remember who they were asking these questions about the kind of future collectibles it's always interesting to see that the, the top auctions know, so' christie's bonds seeing what they're selling you know, it seems crazy now that they're selling having sneaker or trainer sales now who would have thought you know they're, 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 and, and they are becoming collectible and they are become I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if we start seeing that in the next few years you know tri- as part of a perhaps a fashion set and they'll become bigger you know the same way that maybe ten years ago you weren't seeing many auction houses have a fashion sale, a dedicated fashion sale. There was only a few people like, you know, Kerry Taylor in, in London and a few others around the country. As that's gone on, auctions are saying, "Well, we, we want a piece of that as well." And you're seeing that with something like Pokemon cards. You know, auction yeah. houses are having Pokemon card sales.
0: Interestingly, Gareth, on that subject, you banks took a stand yeah, exactly. at the at the at the um, mm-hmm. Pokemon Card Convention for one of a better description or whatever it is. They had a stand in with all the other dealers saying yeah. we we can we're putting together these things. We you maybe selling at auction is the way forward. I, fa- I thought it was fascinating.
2: Yeah. It's the same with, with comics as well. It's a it's a growing market and auctioneers pick up on it and they talk about it and they think we want a piece of that action. Because it, it, it just works like that, and it starts at the top. Very often, at Sotheby's, they'll probably get the the, the rarest Pokemon card ever, and sell it as a single lot or something ridiculous, and then people like you, suddenly start appearing at you know conventions and comic conventions. So it, it it's, it's it's watching those emerging markets because, as you both know, lots of the traditional uh, antiques, period antiques, you know, they're, they're tough now. They're tough, and and we have to accept that. Those modern collectibles are, are big, big money now. You know this. We, we we hope we we're hoping to have a comic sale ourselves mm-hmm. later in the year, um, and, and having a comic con event here as well. Oh wow, uh, uh, so, so those, that, you know, because we're seeing it and we, we're getting people. So we've been to a few comic uh, conventions. Just talking to you, there's a lot of people with serious comics, you know, tens of thousands of pounds in comics that say, well. There's nowhere to sell them. You know, the places that they set, lots of them go to America, you know, to Heritage Orchard in the States. And you're thinking, well, where's, where's, the, we want a piece of that as well. And I think that someone like Eubanks has obviously picked up on the Pokemon site and, and they're, they're expanding at it. So yeah, I
0: just thought it was, I just thought it was interesting that that's the, it just backs up everything you're saying, because you've obviously got your finger on the pulse, that that's where they've gone and gone, do you know what? They've obviously got somebody who's got an interest or, mm. That sort of stuff, and they've gone. Okay, let's give it a go and see. Let's go after it.
2: Yeah, exactly that. You know, they they're looking at new emerging markets. um you know, it, it seems crazy that ten years ago, to think now they're selling Pokemon cards. I mean, <laughs> I I, I, know, I know very little about them, next to nothing. And I just think, well, am I going to be one of those old fogies in ten years that go, yeah, it's Pokemon sale, and I just go, I don't know what are you talking about? I like Scandy like scandi- Glass. Do you do any of that? You know, so I don't want to be lost. So I always feel it's important for me to engage with those modern incoming markets because others will get left behind, you know. I, I, I always remember this, the story early in the 2000s when internet bidding came. So many auctioneers and, and dealers and collectors said it will never work. It will never work. And lots of auctioneers were reluctant to join. And how wrong they were. You know, now you've never open an auction rooms without having it online and how having photos so it's just embracing the the new and emerging markets and and the technology that goes with it
1: mm. and how many platforms are you going with uh, at rwb uh, what's the setup there
2: the saleroom.com easy live and our own website yeah so you can bid on all three yeah which seems to be what lots of people have now lots of people seem to be going on their their own website and easy live and salary as well so mm. yeah we're on all three so yeah. It's
1: the trio. And you're looking forward to it? Looking forward to the
2: oh, big day? I, I can't wait. Not everyone in, in, in this auction has worked in an auction house before. They're all really excited and looking forward to it. I, I'm very lucky I've got you know lots of experience in at least selling and working in auctions. So I've tried to uh, navigate and help everyone as best I can. So the, the sale day is kind of, you've done everything you can, you just need to have a good sale now. So I think we're all really looking forward to it.
1: It's the time to sit back and enjoy the fruits of your labor, isn't it? It's uh, people don't know what goes on behind the scenes yeah. to build one of these auctions <laughs> and the technical <laughs> challenges that bite you, um, and and think it just looks like a, a sale on the day. But um, yes. for us, it's it's probably one of. You know, assuming everything goes well, and fortunately the three of us have done this before, actually the sale day is probably one of the more relaxing days of the month, would you say?
2: Yeah, oh, absolutely. You've done everything you can to make it successful, photographing, cataloging, the condition reports, the additional photos, the crazy postage requests for a triple, uh, triple wardrobe across the country and all those things you've dealt with, and you've done everything you can and now it's just selling it. One of the questions I, I, I guess is awkward as you might get as well is, well, what do you do in between when you're not having a sale day? I, I, I think I think they just I think they just think we relax and we go, bring it all in then, not it all up, catalog it. I, 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 I wish it happened that way, but it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't always, as you know.
1: Can you imagine we just we just get to stand up one
0: day a month and take all the praise, the glory and the money. That would be fantastic, wouldn't oh, it? Hang, yeah. On, yeah. hang on. I think we all know there's a couple of auctioneers in the market. who If that is exactly what they do, they just <laughs> pop up, pop up when something really valuable comes along.
1: what would be what would be your advice because i I get a feeling that you've really you've got your finger on the pulse of the sort of you know the the the, where things are going so for, for for people who are starting to buy maybe think about investing maybe thinking about even a career going to auctions, what would your advice be to people who are looking to, you know, uh, maybe start either a side hustle or a career themselves in buying and selling at auction or, you know, however they're going to go? What would you advise those people?
2: Definitely go to your local auction house, come to auction. You don't necessarily have to buy, come and view, look at it, look at the items, ask to view items, handle it. We're quite on the whole a good, a good industry to come to to get free advice you could come to this or your auction or any auction across the country come and view a lot and say oh, i'm learning i don't know about this source boat and you can ask someone and then you gain that knowledge this there's, there's a never-ending knowledge bank for everyone and i just think you can learn so much from auction and it all costs nothing because that's the beauty of auction you can look online I still go to auctions now, other other auctions, and I go and view them for areas I don't always understand. Uh, I might go and look at a tribal sale. I don't know a huge amount about it, so I go and look and I understand it and feel it. Because when, as you may well do, you go around someone's house and they go, "Oh, I've got this," and you go, "Ah, I saw that. I saw that uh, you know a month ago, six months ago, a year ago." So I just, I'm always wanting to learn. I always go to lots of fairs and other auction houses, not to spy, <laughs> uh, not to spy on them and get. Them, make little notes is to learn and engage and i never want to stop learning about this industry or business or whatever it may be i wish i knew everything but i don't
0: unfortunately oh it's impossible i i have a quick question um and you can answer it or not answer it in your bio and bits and pieces that people have talked about you online they talk about that you're one of the guys who's had a bit of a career behind the scenes on the antiques programs helping with valuations oh i do you want? Are we able to just lift the curtain a little bit so that people don't think that every single person on screen has done all that research themselves? Are we allowed <laughs> to talk about that?
2: Yeah, by all means. Yeah, yeah. bio
0: Yeah, and so you're one of the people behind the scenes who's feeding the information.
2: Exactly. So I was an, an off-screen value of a vlogger. So we would go to I use yes, I would uh, uh, Bristol Bristol uh, College College Green and the cathedral. And we must, you must have had about 1,000 people, 1,200 people that day. Um, it's a lot of people. And of those people that come, they're allowed to bring three objects. And so when they queue up, and that's a big queue, we started, I don't know, 8, 9 o'clock. And you can go through till 7 o'clock, valuing consistently all day long. And they queue up. And of those people, I've only explained this today at lunchtime to someone, most of those people want to sell. It always proves to me there's lots of people to come out there and they always want to sell. So it would be me and another two valuers divided those thousand people by three. We would look, we would sift it out, if you like, and say, that's a really interesting piece. I don't know if you had a piece of Bristol blue glass or something that was related to the area. We would then show one of the on-screen valuers who I'm sure everyone's familiar with and say, would you like to feature this? And they say, yes, no, maybe, whatever. And then they'll be shuffled through into another area and i carry on doing the queue the other three valuers uh, which you have in between an off-screener and an on-screener are researching all those items medals um you know letters that might have been uh, from a war period or something like that and then they pass all that information to the tv expert and and they look great and take all the glory It's it's, it's not quite like that, but
0: but no, Gareth. And that is the sound clip. That's the only bit we'll be clipping up. I'm too.
2: They all work very, very hard. um, But, but it's too late. Too
0: late. We won't be clipping that bit up
2: Yeah. So it's a good day. I enjoy it very much.
0: Yeah, no. Okay. I was just in, I was just interested because I think it's imp- I think it's important that people who love because these shows are so popular, mm. but they get they get a better idea of the fact that there is a wealth of brain power being thrown at it. It's not just the people that we all know. And I know you're seeing uh, David Harper, who's a friend of the pod. We've had him on. Um, he's coming to see you in the next sort of couple of days or whatever, and he would admit, you know. It's not all him. It's There's lots of people around and a, and a production team and all the rest of it. But it is interesting for the general public to know that there's guys like you who are, you know, highly skilled valuers, auctioneers, who are helping out and sorting it all out before the bits get to the TV. And not to be disheartened if your bit doesn't get chosen, because it may be it's just the fact that your item didn't fit with the location or who yeah. was the the, the the public face on that day. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, it's not it's not solely based on value. It could be yeah. something that's really interesting to the area. And, and the BBC like that They obviously like to get it involved. And that's that's a good thing. If you've seen things like Bargain Hunt, they always go off and do a, a caption about the local area or something that's happened in the area. And, that, and, that, and that's good. I think that involves the community again to, to the valuation. I met
0: it. somebody the other day who'd taken something along and was really disgruntled that they... one of these shows and as you described them they weren't picked and i was trying to explain (laughs) the criteria to get your item in front of hundreds of others now i know it's thousands but hundreds of others it's got to be quite you know tight it's
2: it's it's a lot of people and sometimes you just it's so much to choose from and other days you're just thinking what are we going to choose for sale you know it it just depends it's quite literally like a valuation day you know sometimes you have great valuation days and other days you're thinking All right, let's move on. Let's move on,
0: Gareth. Thank you. I think we've done enough. That's the best segue ever.
1: I felt felt we were getting on very well there for a while, Gareth. (laughs) Listen, Gareth, I hate to say this, like all good podcasts... Uh, You know, it's a good podcast when time runs out this fast and uh, apologies, but we are at the end of the time. What I would like to say is thank you so much, because we know that you're an incredibly busy man at the moment. When you're opening a new auction house, you're running up to your first auction. There's a huge amount to do. So we really appreciate you taking the time out to talk to us today. And I think I'd just like to add to that. We wish you and RWB Auctions all power to you. Great success going forward and a wonderful first auction. Um, And thank you so much for
0: joining us today. It's been absolutely fabulous. Harry? Just quickly, just so that all the listeners know, uh, RWB Auctions is the 24th and 25th of January. This episode is going to be out before then. So there'll be links to uh, Gareth's uh, RWB Auctions uh, website in the uh, show notes etc so you can click on see the catalog bid uh, you can open me a tab at the bistro if you want i quite fancy some lemon juice or cake or whatever that's going on um and keep us posted um gareth thank you so much i really do appreciate it and i know i message people quite late in the evening to try and get them to do this so apologies for that too but uh, uh, <laughs> thank um, you no thanks so much
2: cheers thank you very much Been, i've really enjoyed it
0: What a lovely, lovely guy. Fabulous chap. Bit too knowledgeable for my liking. I tell you what, that auction house is going to
1: do very, very well. When you've got an auctioneer like Gareth on your team uh, with so much knowledge, so much passion for the business, uh, and so much foresight. that is an auction house that's going to do well and all power to them. We wish them all the very best. And I'm not talking to you, Harry, because you threw me under the bus about my quiet day, about my valuation day in January where nobody turned up. And at least Gareth had an excuse because it snowed. It didn't snow here. So there was no need to bring it up, was there, Harry? Really? No need at all. Don't. I know you think it's funny. I can see you laughing, but it's not funny, is it? Literally, no one turned up.
0: Well, I did want to mention it. I am so, in I'm, not, fear so of, I'm not talking to you. I'm not
1: okay, talking. Okay, excellent.
0: You. Talk to the listener. Um, I'm um, I am in fear of my own valuation day not being a, a busy one as well. So that's great. So I'm now going. I'm not going to sleep tonight because my anxiety will kick in. Um, no, but what a great guy! And uh, all the best uh, luck to RWB Auctions. What is making me laugh is that we did sneak under the wire, and we might our stuff might be out before David Harper who is also banging the drum for the industry. Um, And you should check out his uh, YouTube channel, everybody. Um, He does some cracking videos of what's going on in the marketplace. What should our listeners do, Simon? Uh, Apparently, never hold a pen
1: and (laughs) click it during a podcast. That's what producer Dave has just told me. Apparently, clicking your pen during a podcast is a big no-no. So, I don't know. I thought I'd share that with our listener. So, if you know, if you do a podcast anytime soon and you're holding a cheap uh, biro that's of the clicky variety, apparently that really upsets your producer.
0: Also, uh, trying to um, on how many attempts did we have to make to uh, record the intro to this uh, episode? Uh, Four, Um, and uh, I think it would be fair to say we're getting back into the swing of things, aren't we? In the new year, are we? Are we? What have
1: we? What have we got to do, Harry? Let's try and redeem. Well, one of us uh, with
0: producer yes. Dave.
1: What, are we, what, what do we need to ask our dear listener to do in this happy new year of 2024?
0: If you could like, subscribe, write a review, tell your friends uh, about the pod, we'd hugely appreciate it. Check us out on Instagram, The Gavel and the Gabble, Facebook, The gabble and the Gabble, and Twitter, where we occasionally post. Well, basically, we post things about Simon because he doesn't look at social media. <laughs> TripAdvisor. advisor. Well, oddly, oddly, we're not on TripAdvisor. We don't have a bistro. That's what I'm taking out of all of this. Why do we not have a restaurant or a bistro or a There's cafe? There's a very good reason.
1: <laughs> There's a very good reason. And we all know what it is because we know <laughs> It's not going to make a lot of money, is it, Harry? For one simple problematic reason. So let's just gloss over that before we get into yet no, another fight. No, do need to bite. gloss over it. And
0: <laughs> yeah, my doctor's probably rung up and gone, no.
1: Good luck to Gareth and their first auction. They don't need it. But, you know, we at Windsor Auctions and Lime Bay Auctions uh, wish them all the very best. And we know how tricky it is running up to a... Auction anyway, but your very first auction—that's a lot of stress. And thank you, Gareth, for taking the time out to talk to us today, which was fantastic, very insightful. And we hope to catch up with him again in the future. Would you say, Harry? I
0: do. I agree with that. Right, mate. I'm off. Take care, buddy. See you later, pal. Cheers.